from Nashville, Tennessee, welcome to episode 25 of Spotlighting the Indie Author. Today's show will be an author chat with Dixon Troyer. Dixon is the author of Moon People, The Journals of Lordia. This novel by Dixon Troyer is a science fiction tale that is packed with conspiracy theories. Today, Dixon will be discussing this fascinating story along with answering Spotlighting the Indie Author's 10 off-the-wall questions. I'm Kelly Winkler, announcer for today's show. Now, here's Joe. Greetings, people on Earth. I'm Joseph Clay. Welcome to the podcast that shines a light on the author with book reviews and interviews with a dab of writing wisdom tossed in. Since I love conspiracy theories, I have been looking forward to this show for some time. Moon People, the Journals of Lordia, is not a big book filled with only conspiracy theories. These theories are intertwined within a great story about a father and a daughter reconnecting after being separated for 20 years. Kelly, let's get this spaceship in the air. Buckle up, listeners. We have liftoff in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Dixon, we have landed in the land of spotlighting the indie author's 10 off-the-wall questions. Here's the first of the 10. If you were surrounded by villains, what superhero would you want by your side? You know, Superman is probably the biggest badass there is. I mean, you can shoot him. You can blow him up. Uh, he can fly. He's the toughest one out there. I think if I want someone by my side, I want the toughest guy. And that's, that's Superman. So definitely Superman. That makes sense. Would you rather appear as a guest on your favorite TV show or have a lifetime passes for any concert you attend? I'm going to go with the guest on my favorite TV show. I've been um, in the TV business. I've been on that side. I've been on both sides of the camera. And it's just so much fun being a guest. But then you also have it for life. Now, the question is, is which show? I'm going to be on on the x-files back in the day <laughs> okay <laughs> it's just there's just too many great guests on that show you know they all change shapes and all kinds of stuff or they blew up so right. that would be the that would have been the guest of, of the favorite tv show if you got stuck in an elevator and were forced to listen to only one song what would it be i have a gym right now and i'm always putting together soundtracks for working out and stuff like that so this could always change but right now the song that i play during Every class that we teach here, that I'm teaching, it's uh, Molly Chamber by the King of Leon. Okay. And it just has such a great beat to it. That's my pick for this week on, if I'm stuck on the <laughs> elevator. Who would play you in a movie? Well, Joseph, i got to tell you, the best person to play me is going to be me. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> but, but if I had to choose, I'm going to say a younger Robert Redford because they said that uh, I used to look like him. And, or since, you know, I fancy myself as kind of a badass, maybe Matt Damon uh, during the Born Identity. Do you have a favorite t-shirt? If so, what's on it or what does it say? 
I do. I tend to like humor and things. Uh, I kind of, I'm very lighthearted. You probably got that from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a shirt that says hide and seek champion and Bigfoot's in the center of it. <laughs> so I just find it funny. <laughs> Would you rather have your face printed on money or your own small town named in your honor? I would love a small town named in my honor. I mean, that would, that would just be the coolest thing. Hey, let me come and show you something. Oh, yeah, this is a town named after me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say Donald Trump would want his face painted and um, on the money. And um, I just think it would just be cool to have your own town. It's just, it's yeah. there. You get to go to it. You get to touch it, you know? Right, right. If you had a personal mascot, what would it be? Well, the honey badger is pretty cool and pretty tough. But... You know, I think the dog is one of the coolest inventions on earth. So I'm going to say a big dog, probably a German shepherd. They're just, they're just it. They love, they take care of you. They die for you. To me, that's the best mascot ever. What's your favorite gadget? Uh, gosh, uh, by the way, they make the iPhone nowadays. It's got to be the iPhone. It takes pictures. It makes music. It plugs into speakers, uh, without any wires. It just kind of does it all videos and and i use this all the time in my uh, business i take videos i cut videos i do it right there on the phone i'm surprised that they haven't figured that out on star trek or something like that because it is the coolest uh weapon and gadget ever (laughs) have you ever been bitten or attacked by an animal if so what animal uh it was a dog speaking of dogs um i was off on a film shoot um we were in Long Island, and I had a whole crew out, and we were filming. These three dogs come running out. And this is this is what's funny. People give pit bull a bad name, and I saw three dogs, and I saw two pit bulls, and a lab, a labish looking dog. And I look at the pit bull. You're going to be sweet. You're going to be sweet. You are not going to be so sweet. And so the pit bulls came running up and wanted to be pet. And then the um, the one dog that I go, I know you're a problem. I can tell. I can look at you. I can feel you. He started chasing my crew around and uh, biting them. And a, another story that may not be on my bio is I used to fight MMA. Uh, and I teach Krav Maga, which is a uh, self-defense. So like an idiot, I get in a stance and I challenge this dog. And I go, you and me, let's go. You and me, let's go. And I make a stance. And we actually literally, he stopped. He looked at me and he goes, yeah, you and I, we're going to fight. And let me tell you, um, they're they're quicker than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and those teeth are sharp. Yeah. It would have been great if you got that on film. Uh, you know what? That's what I said. I go, I have a whole film crew here, <laughs> and none of you got that? <laughs> they were all they all jumped up trees, and they all got on top of the band and stuff. Because yeah. you know, they saw three large dogs coming out. Okay. So it was the lab that took you on, and the other two were just... You know, they were just lovers. Yeah. They, they were just good. lovers. Yeah. yeah. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. They got to watch a show without even buying the ticket. Absolutely. Yeah. So did my whole crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Would you rather face a fork in the road or be forced to pick between three doors? A uh, question on that. Is a fork just a left and a right choice? Mm-hmm. Well, mathematically speaking, um, I'm going to choose the fork in the road because I only have two versus three. But I get to walk down the path on the fork and I get to evaluate and look and experience, I think, it a little bit longer. So I'm going to choose the fork okay. in the road. A man after my own heart who knows his math. When I was pulling your 10 questions from the pod decks, I saw this one and thought to myself, self, that one is a 50-50 chance. The other is only a 33.3% chance. 
We going with a fork in the road. That's exactly what I said. Fork is 50-50 and it's 33 with the door. Dixon, you and I will be right back with an in-depth interview after Kelly gives the listeners a little more info about you. Our guest today, Dixon Troyer, grew up in Nampa, Idaho, working on farms topping corn, harvesting mint, cattle ranching, and various other summer jobs. He graduated from Brigham Young University with honors in zoology, chemistry, and was a member of the intercollegiate rodeo team. For two decades, he worked in television, where he produced, directed, and wrote for over 400 aired episodes. Troyer is currently VP of Operations of a boutique gym and a Krav Maga instructor in Southern California. Moon People, The Journals of Lordia, Troyer's first book, was an instant hit, becoming a number one bestseller on Amazon. Now back to Joe and Dixon Troyer. It is my pleasure to formally introduce you to Dixon Troyer. Thank you, Dixon, for calling into the show and answering spotlighting the indie author's 10 off-the-wall questions earlier. Hey, Joseph. I am so honored to be here. I love your uh, show. So when you asked me to come on, I said, absolutely. Since there are a couple of ways of spelling Dixon, and I'm sure after today's show, everyone will be searching the web for this new author. So grab a pencil and a piece of paper. Dixon is spelled D-I-X-O. N. Troyer. T. R. O. Y. E. R. Now that that's out of the way, Dixon, congratulations on the release of your first novel, Moon People, The Journals of Lordi. Before we get to the book, let's talk about Dixon Troyer, the writer. Although this is your debut novel, it's not your first writing gig. For television, you have produced, directed, and wrote over 400 aired episodes. What made you decide to write a novel? You know, I can't shut the mind off. And I have stories after stories. And I even have a thing in my computer uh, almost 15 years. This would make a great book. And here's a story. This would make a great book. I can drive home and I can write a whole book. So this one actually started about 20-something years ago. Um, this story and I just kept telling people and they kept saying you ought to write this as a book and it just took me that long to finally do it now I'm in love with writing books I'm, a, I'm actually I have book two of this series uh, that's going to be hopefully coming out in another couple months so it's just it just feels good to write how is writing a novel different from script writing you know a novel you can get in way deep into the character everything what they wear their personalities their thoughts in a film script or a tv script you have a certain amount of time so a script is about 80 pages it is really a fraction so you ever see someone that they take a book and they make it a movie i would say most of the time 90 percent of the time it is not as good as the book that's because the book can just get so much deeper into the characters. And I find it, these screenwriters that can adapt these books, they're good writers because they're taking 400, you know, I'm just using this random number, and they're dialing it down to a 200 to get all the information in. 
So, you know, it's a, a plethora of information. They got to pick and choose the best and they have to make it work、uh, visually. So, big, big difference. A lot of things are the same, in, you know, inciting、um, incident. You have an act one, act two, act three. You know, the person has to go on a journey and resolve itself. All that's primarily the same. It's just a book can just cover so much more. That is a great explanation and one I've always wanted to know. That's probably the best one I have ever heard, and it makes the most sense. You recorded in your press release you have always been interested in conspiracy theories and like to question things. Can you remember when that started or the first thing you ever questioned? It probably started way back when I would always question.、Um, you know, it goes right back is like, how come we have to believe if we don't see anything? You know, we just have to have faith. It just doesn't make sense. How do you guys know this is all true?、Uh, and they were just questions,、it、wasn't being devious or anything.、Um, really, my first big thought is、uh, I went to a church school.、Um, I ended up going to Brigham Young University because I was a wild child and I knew I needed to go to a school that had rules. So,、um, I was in with a bunch of return missionaries, and they knew their stuff. They went on missions and they knew the Bible inside and out. And they were talking about God, Jesus, and all that. They go, Dixon, what do you think? And I go, Well, how do you guys know this is true? You haven't seen any of this. You just say, Oh, this is the truth. And you tell me it's the truth, but, but you, you have no foundation in this.、Um, I said, What if you replace the word light and Bible with spaceship? And a light came out of the sky and two angels walked out. Well, what if they're aliens? And, and Joseph, what if it's you and I? We're on a spaceship and we come、uh, 6,000 BC, the time of Moses, and we come out and there's Moses and a couple of his buddies and、um, they see us. If we have a flashlight and we have a big lighter, we're God. Fire came out of his hand, light comes out of his hand. But to us, it's just the flashlight and the lighter. So this is when I started questioning things. And then the next thing that got me on my next level is a,、uh, a guy by the name of Art Bell. And I would be, when I was rodeo and I'd be driving and I'd listen to the Art Bell show, and he's all conspiracy theories and writers and authors. And I'm just going, like, yeah, yeah. And I go, like, you know, some of this is crazy, but boy, I could sure write a story about this. So I like to challenge, and, and here's my thing about conspiracy theories are they true? Are they not? We don't know. But what I want to do is open up people's minds and maybe investigate. Tell us a couple of the conspiracy theories in Moon People, the Journals of Lord Yacht. Well, I have about 11 of them in there. The Sumerian scriptures back in about、uh, 3000 BC is, is just a race of people that were just highly more superior than the others, technology wise and all that stuff. Well, they wrote in, you know, basically the hieroglyphics that we see on the pyramids. And、um, it kind of tells stories that is like no other race. And basically, they talk about a race of beings called the Anunnaki. That comes down there and they call them angels and gods. And they basically are ones that were responsible for bringing man to earth and basically growing them and using them as slaves. And then they left. So that's one conspiracy theory there, too. I kind of embellished on that. I made that Adam and Eve story right in there. I, I don't want to give too much away, but、uh, I definitely threw that in there. So it's Planet Nebiru. I don't know if you guys heard about Anunnaki from Planet Nebiru. I just changed the name from Planet Heaven in my book. They come from heaven, these beings, and they created us、mm-hmm. and they made us as slaves and they made us here. So that's one.、Uh, the big one is, and it's called Moon People, is that the moon is a spaceship. And they've been here for thousands of years. 
uh, watching us. And basically they own us because they grew us. So there is people on the moon and it's actually a spaceship. And Joseph, I want to mention is everything in the book is anchored to unknown mystery, a conspiracy theory, a story from the Bible, ancient astronaut. Everything has an anchor. I'm not throwing it out there. So we mentioned Sasquatch. I have that anchor to something. Even where he resides, it's anchored to a story somewhere. Right. I like the uh, conspiracy theory about the Federal Reserve Building and why they locked the doors. <laughs> um, can I... <laughs> Can I uh, tell it or should we save it? Yeah, let's save that one. That, okay. Because, uh, you know, it sort of came out toward the end of the book and we don't want to give too much away. I made that one up, by the way. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but the conspiracy theory is on that one is that it's empty. Yeah. The Federal Reserve yeah. is empty. Yeah. And I just answered the question, why? <laughs> yeah. My son was uh, was in the military and he was stationed at Fort Knox for a while. And I said, you, oh, know, no there's no, I said, you know, there's really no gold in Fort Knox, right? And he goes, that's what I'm guarding, Daddy. I said, you guarding an empty bunker. And he goes, where do you come up with this stuff? And I said, now there's no gold there. That's the reason we're not on the gold standard anymore, son. We don't have any gold. We gave it away. Now yeah. I know who we gave it to. See? Yes. So you helped me answer a question. <laughs> I'm there for you. Yeah. Okay. During the editing process, did any of the conspiracy theories you put in a book get cut out? Um, None of them got cut out um i could write about three more books this book could have been a thousand pages mm -hmm. i could have gone into there was so many that i had to actually pick and choose so uh as the book being written all straight out none of them got cut out but in the process of me laying the book out yeah i had a whole abraham story as you saw in there he ran into abraham i go eh, that's another story yeah when you are if, if, if you caught that um you can go everywhere why we haven't been to the moon in uh 30 years or right. actually longer than that 50 years yeah. um so yeah i just i had to take the ones and lay it out and you know the book is you know it's still over 300 pages the way it is and mm -hmm. i can i got so many stories so yes some got cut out but not after the book was written okay so they all got cut during the what we say outline edit not editing the process, outline. but the outline yeah. and formatting stuff okay all right yeah. With research and writing time, how long did it take you to get Moon People, the journals of Lordia, from conception to print? Uh, as I said, it started over 20 years ago, and that was just jabber, talking to people, making people turn heads. Uh, about four years ago, I said, I'm going to write this. And I sat down and I wrote the actual book. I laid it out and actually wrote it in four months from laying it out and writing it. Um, being a first time writer and not an English major, um, it took about another four years to edit, <laughs> to get it and a big, beautiful learning curve, beautiful learning curve on how to write a book and how to get characters to speak and how to lay it out. And just even on my second book right now, I, I'm so much better of a writer it's uh it's yeah it, but it's such a beautiful process the the editing but yes it took me about four years to edit it and finally get it to where it is now and that brings me to the very next question did the process of publishing your first book give you any thoughts on how your writing process could change for a future novel oh 110 percent every day 
um, I learned something about writing. And um, I'm in a writer's group right now. So what we do is that we sit down, we do like 1,200 words a week, and we go over and we give our feedback. And um, these guys are all uh, published writers too. And I learn something new every day. And I, I got to tell you, Joseph, it is the biggest exciting turn on there is. And it's scary because right now I'm writing my next book. I write so much slower because I know too much. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, can I say it like this? Can I do it like this? Will, will this come off like this? Will this do that? So hopefully I'm going to get over that and be able to write at a higher speed again. But uh, the, the process is beautiful. And I just feel like I'm just at infancy stage mm -hmm. on that. Um, and that's exciting to me. And I just know my next book right now is even better because of the skills that I've learned. Did the research and writing energize you or did it just totally exhaust you? Uh, energize me hundred okay. percent. I always laugh when, when these, when these stories come to my mind, they make me laugh. Here's a, here's a funny story for you is, um, I don't think I'm giving too much away. Our lead character is, uh, about 6,000 years old. I, I had the book all laid out. And I went to this convention and the convention was about, uh, you know, people live on the moon. Um, the moon is uh, there's satellites on it. There's a whole race up there. There's all these speakers. It, it was big. It was it was top authors, all this stuff. And they were giving lectures. And one I went to this one, of course, that the moon has satellites on it. And it's 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 a ship, you know, and they're going to show it to us. And people are living on it. And they said, they talked about the character I kind of based or die on, and they said, he's still alive, and he's still on Earth. And my jaw dropped, and I go, oh, my God, I'm going home now. That is, <laughs> that changes my book in a great way. It really, it really opened up the door for mm -hmm. me, and it changed everything right there. So, but um, I still listen to, like, George Nori and Art Bell, and, uh, you know, Art Bell has passed away and stuff, but I still get energized and I still buy these books and I buy so many books a year like on the pyramids and uh, I'll hear a, um, a good author being interviewed on George Norrie and I got to get a book and so no it's this is what what makes me feel alive and it makes me want to write more besides conspiracy theories moon people the journals of Lordi is a tale filled with adventure tragedy drama and comedy I love the tagline for this book which states it's satire is your candy? You will not want to miss out on this pearliest tale of Lordia and Luna. Tell me, Dixon, how did this tale come about? I kind of think comedically. I like to laugh, and that's how my mind works. So um, I just wanted to write something that was funny, but was deep and intellectual. Uh, something that will take you on a journey, because I, don't, I like reading fiction books because they take me on a journey. So um, I couldn't help but put the humor in, but this one's definitely a satire hidden humor. And it comes out in the conversation you and I are having. Um, I had a kid, an uh, 11-year-old boy today, come and ask me, okay, Dixon, I, I want to ask you questions about the book. Um, can I? And I go, absolutely, that makes my day. Um, and he goes, well, I got to ask you the first question. Do you believe in all the stuff you wrote in the book? He started laughing. I go, no, it's fiction. I go, I would be a prophet if that was the case. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, no, I go, really, it's it's fiction. It's about fun. But I do want to open up your mind. That's right. all I want you to do. I want you to laugh with me, and I want you to research. And you find these things in the book, and you do it. So that kid's father 
he's been Googling all kinds of stuff. And he, he uh, comes to my gym and he laughs. He goes like, oh my God, I Googled this. That is so amazing. Like I mentioned in the opening, and you have mentioned, all these conspiracy theories that are in the book are not haphazardly tossed in the story. They are tied and rooted to the plot, helping to make the story flow. Very well done. Thank you. Thank you. And everything is anchored. Even every number in the book is anchored to something. Another thing that I thought was well done, you divided the book up into four parts. Was dividing the story up into sections a part of the original layout? Or did you think a little later in the process that it would make more sense to place it in sections? It happened during writing it. Um, I just had it all laid out from A to Z. And then I started writing it. When you write, it slows things way down. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I finished with Mars and they were going to Earth, I was going like, well, that's a good time to just kind of end that story and start fresh again. And then when they went all the way through to the next one, I just saw a big, huge, nice cut point. But it, So it happened during the writing process okay. as I was laying out the book, and I just saw it in there. The characters in this book are strong and unique. I love their names, as some tie to the title of the book. Tell us your thought process in creating Lordia and Luna, and how did you select their names? I made sure every name had an anchor to it. It's really basic storytelling. You have to have a protagonist and an antagonist. So I do have the Lord and the devil in this book. Uh, Lordaya is the Lord. He makes people in his image. Exactly. Apollyon is his brother. Apollyon, I don't know if you caught this, but he's actually another name for the devil. Mm -hmm. uh, he's actually known as the angel of the bottomless pit in the book of Revelation. So, I mean, that's his name. So that name is definitely something I researched and I found. And, and of course, the devil has many names. I just thought that was a good, fun, strong name that someone had to catch or research to do that. Um, Luna, it has to do with moon people. I just he named her after that. So she is named after the moon. The story behind Lordy and Luna is superb. Tell us how this father and daughter wound up reuniting after being separated for 20 plus years. Okay, so this is uh, in the story that's uh, probably going to come out in the first seven chapters. Um, it opens up with Lordaya and her his five-year-old daughter, Luna. And he's actually going by a different name at this time. It's her fifth birthday and they're at a carnival and you just get to see that there's a good relationship. Then it cuts to uh, 20 years later and we uh, go right into, it's called Moon People. I got to get you guys up to the moon. We got to see the moon. We got to smell it. We got to hear it. We got to visualize it. So I introduced Lord Daya. It's 20 years later after um, Luna was five years old, go up to the moon and they save the day. Uh, the, the moon is there to protect earth from uh, asteroids and a few other things to just look at earth. So in the meantime, Lord Daya had disappeared out of her life for 20 years and she became a foster child overnight. She didn't know. She didn't understand why her dad left her. Everything was perfect. And now Luna is 25 years old. She's brought on a, a new skill and that is robbing houses. She's uh, just following the fireman's um, radio. And when there's a house on fire, her and her boyfriend uh, put on a fireman's suit, go in as fireman and rob the house. And she ends up robbing the wrong house. It happens to be Lord Daya. And so that's how they unite. She robs the house and she finds a picture of herself as a child sitting on the desk while she was robbing it. And it just flipped her out. 
So um, she goes back to the house and basically that's how they run into each other. And to get her out of there, because the reason Lordaya's house was being burnt down because they were after him, he basically kidnapped her and brought her to the moon. And that's where the story takes off. He tells her all the history of how mankind came and his journeys on Earth for the last thousands of years. I love that part. And I thought you did a great job with that because not too many people are going to come up with, well, they were separated for all these years. How can they meet? It takes right. it takes a great imagination to say, well, she robs his house. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. And I thought the picture that was on the desk, I thought that was a great touch too, because that's what froze her and all this chaos going on in this house, because at this particular time, the house is actually on fire, you know, the front side, not where she's at, but still the house is on fire and she freezes because she sees herself on a desk. Quite a shock that has to be. That blew me away. That was well done. Well done. Oh, thank you. No problem. So nice to hear because as a writer, you just don't know. You know, you don't know whether people love or, or, or not, you know. So yeah. I greatly appreciate that. What audience is Moon People, the journals of Lordia, geared to? Yeah, I can say everybody. <laughs> but, right. you know, that's just me. Um, it, it already got like a bestseller in sci-fi. So it definitely hit a sci-fi audience. Um, it's definitely humor. I think there's a little action adventure in there. It's not fully because there's a lot of storytelling. But it definitely has the sci-fi because of the moon and uh, the history of the planet and uh, telling the uh, story thousands of years prior. So um, definitely a sci-fi. But funny story is, is that I also got like 18th. Uh, you know, I had a bestseller, but I was 18th in time travel. And you read the book. There is no time travel. <laughs> you know, time, storytelling. Time, yeah, it was storytelling. And yeah. as far as I could tell, maybe I missed something. Maybe I need to read. The no, time. there's no time travel okay. in this one. That's yeah, because book, I thought it was just, actually. right. It was just normal travel. I mean, we traveling from the earth to the moon, just, you know, it's just telling a story, right. He's just telling right. a story to his, to his daughter. But I laugh and I go, I'll take it. You want to give me that award? I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I would, I would love this to be studied in college somewhere. You know, they, they study is like, why do they, why did why did he write this and and do you guys capture all the conspiracy theories and you guys research the conspiracy theories and, and come up with your own thoughts what do you think and what's not and especially when they hit the uh, biblical stories you know mm -hmm. i would like people from churches to read this and it's like i'm not doing a jab i'm just going like hey you guys number one if you guys want to take me on and be mad at me i'm just going to say you guys it's fiction i made it up I'm not trying to be mean, but what if it opened up your eyes a little bit and you created your own testimony somewhere, you know? Right. I would love to go to a church and talk about this as well, too. I thought when I got through with the book, it would also be a great book for book clubs to do because there's so many conversation points in that book that you could pick out. Besides a great story and escape from this world, what do you hope the readers of your novel will come away with? I hope it opens up their minds. I hope that um, they opened up their computer, they go on Google, and they start looking this up. The moon's a spaceship. Sumerian scriptures, what is this? Um, did this really happen? Did Adam and Eve, was there a whole bunch of them? Adam and Eve are really slaves. Those are the kind of things I would love for people to take with them, that they open up. Like I said, I have people now um, that are sending me emails and uh, friends that got the book, and they go, can I ask you a question? And I go, yeah, 
I love that. And that's what I want. I want to create conversation in their heads and to open up their minds and to laugh and have fun with it too. Tell the listeners about the hidden Easter egg and what should they do if they find one in the book? Um, Okay. So for those of you that don't know what an Easter egg in a novel is, it is a hidden something all the way through the book. So what is that? So inside the book, I have a hidden something that is all the way through the book that's connected to each other. So um, if you figure out what that Easter egg is, go to moonpeoplebook.com. And I have an email there. And email me what you think the Easter egg is. And I will answer you back uh, with a yay or a nay. I'll give you two shots at it. And then if you don't get it your second time, I'll... uh, it makes me laugh. I would love to tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a whole thing because I've, I've, I've told a couple people and their jaw dropped and they go, oh, my gosh. And they went and they Googled things, which mm-hmm. made my day. Right. Which opens their mind and gets them thinking for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what it's all about. OK. At this time, Moon People, the Journal of the Lordia, is available in ebook and paperback format only. Will there be an audio book or a CD version later on? Yes, there will be. Um, definitely just have to get to it. And, you know, since this is my first book, it's a learning process. So I, I, I have to learn how to get it into the audio. And then I need to find the voices, too. I need to find a Luna voice, and I need to find a Lordaya voice, and, you know, definitely a Leonardo voice. Mm-hmm. He's definitely He definitely has, has a voice in the two. So, yes, I would love to uh, do all that. I only have it on Amazon right now, and I'm going to be opening it up into the other book areas, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and all the other places very soon here. Here's the last question that I'm sure you have been asked a thousand times as it is standard for these types of interviews. What's next on your writing agenda? Does it include more journals of Lordiha? That is already in the process. I'm up to about 150 pages, and really uh, it's connected to uh, the journals of Lordiha, Moon People, but it takes place, and I'll give you guys what it is. It's um, the Adventures of Herbie Hernandez, or the Journals of Herbie Hernandez. It takes place in New York City. He's a 25-year-old Hispanic kid who um, gets superpowers. He doesn't get the owner's manual to it. Things just <laughs> happen. And it's funny because your first question was, what superhero would you be? I had to ask people that same question as I was forming Herbie Hernandez. And I go like, what powers would I want? I want to be able to shapeshift. I'd love to be bulletproof, to be a badass. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to be able to teleport. And I I only gave them three things that they can be. So with Herbie, his first thing, he doesn't know he has any superpowers. He just came across this being that he turned it, he shapeshifted into a fly. And now he's down in a cold New York City street and he does not know what the hell is going on. (laughs) And so when he forms back into his normal self, well, guess what? He didn't have any clothes. (laughs) Right, right. You know, that's how it all begins. And really what it is, is he's walking his dog and uh, a big old fireball comes up in the sky and outspits this beautiful naked lady in his arms that's half passed out. That's the opening of the book. Now, it's connected to uh, this book because um, basically, and I'm not going to, this isn't given away, is that they are taking humans off of this planet and making them super soldiers and having them fight their battles on another planet. So they're taking Lord Daya's creation, uh, cranking up the DNA. You know, there's, there's stories where we only use 10% of our DNA 
And we were created that way because if we all of our DNA was connected, we would have to weigh too much knowledge and too much power and all this stuff. Well, basically, another alien race came and is, is stealing humans and doing that and making them soldiers. So this is kind of what happened to Herbie, but something happened in the process. So he just kind of wakes up with these crazy powers. And Lordaya and Luna get involved in it because he's chasing these other people from another planet, trying to get them to stop doing this. And so uh, uh, Lordaya and Luna are uh, chasing all this stuff down. Now, Dixon, could you give us the honor of reading the blurb that is found on the back of the cover of Moon People, the Journals of Lordaya? Moon People, the Journals of Lordaya. Lordaya knows the real truth about the history of Earth from the origins of the moon, Adam and Eve, Noah's Ark, and the birth of Christ, and also the very first moon landing. Why is that? Because he was responsible for it. In this novel, you will learn the true history of Earth from the time when he first came from planet heaven to mine gold on Earth 4,161 years ago. The last time Luna saw her father, she was five years old when he mysteriously disappeared. Well, she grew up in foster homes, learned a unique uh, skill set of survival. 20-some years later, while burglarizing a home, she accidentally reunites with him in an awkward reunion. Will Lordaya tell Luna the truth about who she truly is? Will he be able to stop the people who came here with him from taking the moonship back to heaven, thus destroying everything that he's created? If satire is your candy, you don't want to miss out on the perilous tales of Lordaya and Luna. Thank you, Dixon, once again for being on the show. It was a pleasure to learn about you and Moon People, the Journals of Lord E.I., your fascinating debut novel. All of us at Spotlighting the Indie Author wish you the best in life and in your writing career. Hey, Joseph, thank you so much. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and you really made this interview great and easy and fun. So I greatly appreciate you. It's an honor. I love your show. You just made my day. <laughs> so it was awesome. Thank you, Dixon, for those kind words. You being a great interviewee made my job easy. Here's everyone's assignment before the book review show. Head on over to YouTube and watch Charlie's video on Moon People, the Journals of Lordii. It's a wonderful video that gives some great insights on the novel. Plus, it helps put a face with the voice. That link, along with the link to purchase your copy of Moon People, the Journals of Lordii, can be found in the show notes. Kelly, inform our listeners when spotlighting the indie author will be reviewing Dixon's fascinating novel moon people the journals of lordii mark your calendars the book review of dixon troyer's debut novel moon people the journals of lordia will be reviewed by spotlighting the indie author on march 8 2021 one week from today thank you kelly i hope everyone will join us for that show since march is ms multiple sclerosis awareness month tell everyone what we got coming up for the rest of the month to bring awareness to this debilitating disease. I'm out of here. Here is this week's thought. Believe nothing you're told and only half of what you see, as nothing is what appears to be through the ears and eyes of others. During an interview with Joseph, Christy Warren, our MS warrior, will give us an all-inside look at MS and what it is like to live with it. That show will air on March 15th. The March 22nd show is a book review of Until the Ocean Freezes by Alita Durham Clemens. The book is geared toward tweens, and one of the characters close to the main character, Lizzie, suffers from MS. 
Make sure you subscribe to Spotlighting the Indie Author on your favorite podcast platform, as you don't want to miss any of the upcoming shows. Also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe, and coming soon to Twitter. You can also check out our show schedule on our website. The links to everything will be in the show notes and on our website. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the next episode. The opinions and or beliefs shared by any guest are not necessarily the opinions and or the beliefs of josephyclay.com and its affiliates, which includes Spotlighting the Indie Author and the hosts of the podcast. Music used in today's podcast. Show intro, outro music, country intro for podcast by Alex Violaman, courtesy of Audio Jungle. Background music, Never Stop Dreaming by Crescent Music, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. Spotlighting the Indie Authors, 10 Off the Wall Questions feature. Intro, outro and background music, Lazy Frog Loop, by Zaga 2, courtesy of Free Sound. The show notes will contain the following. Links to the books reviewed on today's show, along with the author's or guest's website, and social media accounts, if applicable. Contact information for Spotlighting the Indie Author. The link to Spotlighting the Indie Author's podcast webpage. Links to the bias of today's hosts. Links to Spotlighting the Indie Author's blog. The blog will include the sound effect credits, the technical data on the recording of today's show, and more. Links to josepheclay.com's website and blog. I'm Kay Douglas. And along with the crew of Spotlighting the Indie Author, we thank you for tuning in. This was episode number 25, a 2021 production of Spotlighting the Indie Author, a josepheclay.com podcast.